November 1st, so this coming Tuesday, is All Saints Day, when the global church uh, remembers what we confess uh, as a Christian body, that we believe in the communion of saints. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'd like to prepare a heart for All Saints Day, being a uh, church calendar nerd myself and believing Uh, these things to be helpful for us. But to do that, I'm going to read uh, through all of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, all of chapter 11 in the first two verses of chapter 12. This uh, chapter, if you're not familiar with it, just details lives of Old Testament heroes and saints who by faith were shown that God was faithful and they were brought through moments of suffering and persecution and hardship by faith. And they stand as, uh, at the end of the passage, it calls them a great cloud of witnesses. They surround us. In th- these voices surround us in this moment so that whatever hardship you're going through, persecution, tough moment, that they're saying to you, you can get through this by faith in this God. And so it's worth it to spend the time to read these texts and to let these voices echo in this room. And so Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1, this is the great cloud of witnesses. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the world was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks By faith, Enoch was taken so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warmed by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants 
as many as the stars of the heavens, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not receiving the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they were seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they had a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he, had born, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the swords. They were... They went about in skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. 
wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the witnesses here um, that saw that you were good and you could bring strength out of weakness that you were trustworthy, true, loving, kind. And we, um, we need their voices uh, because there's ways in which we feel weak and hurt and trapped and suffering, times when we don't want to run the race anymore. <laughs> and these voices cheer us on so that we would hear them ringing out in this room this morning. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. All right, the great cloud of witnesses and All Saints Day. Some Christian communities shy away from celebrating holy days outside of Christmas and Easter. Uh, But many Protestant churches, including our own, are rediscovering the church calendar as a rich resource to aid us in our discipleship. As humans, we tend to celebrate things that are meaningful to us the things we want to remember, the people we want to remember. It was my 42nd birthday yesterday. And you do stuff on your birthday. I got my crumble bun and my Chick-fil-A breakfast and, you know, the stuff that you do on your birthday. And we sung our songs and we opened our presents. You have stuff you do on special days. Take a a moment to reflect on this statement. Show me what you celebrate, and I'll tell you what you are. Show me what you celebrate, and I'll tell you what you are. We are what we celebrate. We are a ritualistic people. We have beliefs that become patterns and patterns that become habits. We are living liturgies. Creatures of habit formed and shaped by calendars, seasons, days, weeks, and years. The right ones humanize us. They make us better humans. The wrong ones dehumanize us. If this is true, we want to be a people who celebrate Christ and the things of the church, the things of the gospel, the Christian story. And so it follows that we should find ways to press into it And be shaped by it. And that's why we celebrate Advent and Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Eastertide, Pentecost. And uh, on, on Tuesday, many of us will celebrate All Saints Day. The day when we remember the saints. 
Well, who are the saints? Football players? I'm glad you asked. For some, saints are super holy people. Uh, And I don't have a problem with uh, my Catholic brothers and sisters using the term saint in that way. But we should recognize that that's not how the Bible uses the word. When Paul would write his letters, if you look at any of the letters of Paul, he addresses each one of them to the saints. The saints in Corinth. The saints in Ephesus. The saints in Philippi. The saints in Rome. And believe me, he wasn't just talking to the super holy people. Um, He wasn't just writing those letters to the standout spiritual superstars, but to everyone. Everyone who believes. In the Bible, the saints are not super holy people. It's you. It's me. It's all of us who believe and confess the gospel. So when we're talking about the saints, we're talking about all of us. And we're not just talking about everyone here at the church. We're talking about all of the Christians around the world. We're talking about those worshiping uh, today down the street at No Greater Love and at F Street Community Church. Those uh, worshiping in Chicago, in Kansas City, and all over the world. And not just every Christian that's worshiping God over the world, but every Christian that's died believing in their Lord and has gone before us into glory, as the old timers say. Those who were faithful in the Lord and who passed on their faith to us. And so the old timers would talk about the church militant. That's you. Believers still living on this earth, deeply engaged in spiritual battle. And then there's the church triumphant. Those whose battle is won and though dead are now reigning with Christ. That's what we confess when we confess the communion of the saints. All of us, every Christian in the world, every Christian that's gone before us, and it's bigger than that. Not only Christians who presently believe, and not only the faithful of the past, and not only those in heaven now, but all of those who will one day believe in the Lord because of our faithful stewarding of the faith. The generation that we will leave with a faithful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those saints, whoever they may be. Looking in the past to those who went before us, especially those who had an impact on our lives, considering the future and those who we might have an opportunity to impact and considering what all that means for our life in the present. That's what All Saints Day is about. And that's why Hebrews 11 is such an awesome All Saints Day text. In it, the author of Hebrews is helping struggling, persecuted, and hurting Christians to remain faithful. He doesn't want them to give up on their faith. And his strategy 
as he brings his sermon to a close, is to point them to the faithful examples of those who have gone before and who were able to persevere under trial and in suffering. People who left us examples to follow. Examples of fortitude, of patient endurance, of prayer, of faith. Not many of the the folks that he mentioned were martyrs, but they were hopers, and they were prayers, and they were lovers, and they were stayers, and they believed, even when the world didn't. They believed, even when it was hard, and they proved by their lives that God's love and God's promises are strong. They can make you strong. They can get you through. They can make you the kind of person that can endure disappointment, hardship, sadness, loss, all by faith. So the first 34 verses, the author of Hebrews rehearses these well-known names and testimonies from the past. Names like Abraham and Sarah and Abel and Noah and so on. But in verse 35, he makes this move from the ancient heroes of the past to more contemporary examples of faith. Nameless, faceless men and women, like, um, like the folks the author of Hebrews is writing to, who are facing persecution and torture and death, but who bravely and courageously were able to look into the face of, of even death itself and stare it down because of what they believed to be true about their God, because of what they knew he could do with death. A people with a future so rich and a God so big that they simply wouldn't back down. They wouldn't buckle under pressure, no matter how severe. They were looking forward to what it says is a better city, the promised land, or later on in the text, a better resurrection. That is what made them so strong. They were able to cultivate such a deep, satisfying relationship with God that they rested in him, whether living or dying, whether comfortable or miserable, they knew in the end it was going to be all right. And the great challenge of their lives is to cultivate the When we see their lives, they challenge us to cultivate an unshakable confidence. The confidence they had. The confidence that said that God himself is better than anything that life can give us. And he is so good that he frees us in a way. That we can have hope no matter what death takes away from us. A faith that doesn't require success in this life. 
that doesn't need success is the ultimate success. Have you, have you met a person like that? Who had a faith like that? A faith that made them strong despite what was happening in the world. People for whom the world is not worthy. What Hebrews 11 is teaching us is that looking at these examples of faith can be helpful. That these lives, the lives of those who ventured everything upon God and found him to be sturdy and worthy, they can help us have confidence. Confidence that what Jesus said and did was true, right, and real. And so a saint is not a flawless person. Not by a stretch. It's simply someone who has trusted in Jesus and has become a window through which through others can see Jesus and be set free. And church history is littered with saints. And so for the last year, I made a commitment to myself. I was going to try to only read um, Christian authors from 6th century and before. Now, I didn't do that, but I tried, and I, read a lot, and I read a lot of them. And I found some cool stuff. Some of it was the big names, man, the people you would think, like Augustine and Teresa of Avila and uh, Martin Luther, some of the good reformers, Julian of Norwich. But I also encountered some like deep tracks, you know, the album and you have the deep cuts that no one else knows. There's some saints that are like deep cut saints. So Ephraim the Syrian. Have you heard of Ephraim the Syrian? A poet and musician who began women's choirs and composed some of the earliest hymns for female voices, spreading literacy among women in the fourth century. He died tending to the sick in a plague. I read about Felicity, an enslaved woman who was martyred in the third century while offering forgiveness to her executioners. I learned about Maximilian Kolbe, a Polish Catholic priest who hid thousands of refugees during the Nazi regime. Colby died in Auschwitz after volunteering to take the place of another prisoner who was to be executed. But we don't have to look and search the annuals of church history to find saints, do we? There's people in our own lives, aren't there? People who have showed us the value of Christ and by their lives and by their death have showed us that this is something worth believing in. I thought yesterday about Amelia Allen. Uh, Amelia died when she was nine years old. She spoke with the help of a voice box, was fed by a tube, and who lived her life in a wheelchair. Yet her life and faith spoke more profoundly than any sermon I could ever preach a young woman who lived a life that taught those around her to see people the world could not see, 
who taught the people around her how to choose what was good over what was convenient, and who died with a childlike faith in the Lord that still speaks to me today. Or I think about Barbara Toma, who I would visit in hospice, and when she heard I was coming to visit, she would still put on her earrings. And I would go and I would talk to Barbara about all kinds of things. Kids these days, her grandkids, but most of all she would talk to me about Jesus. And she would end up ministering to me. She was so ready to see her Lord. Uh, And time would fail me to tell of Anne Morris and Jewel Imperial and Elizabeth Tungis and Donnie Minig, and Dean Ulmer, and Ken Schneider, and you can add your names. When we remember the dead, now with the Lord, we receive new strength for the battles we face every day. We realize we don't exist for this life only. And we remind ourselves that the daily grind, the regular struggles with temptations, the tough decisions we have to make are all a part of a battle in which we will ultimately triumph. Remembering the dead, when we do that, the door to heaven opens and we hear their voices and the song of victory once more. And we remember that our ultimate destiny is the kingdom of God eternal life and the cloud of witnesses stands and cheers us on and urges us on and that's the the wonderful move that the author of Hebrews makes in chapter 12 there's the there's the beautiful move where he, he asks us to imagine our lives as a great race that we're running but it's not an individual event it's, it's a relay. And, and the baton of faith is passed down from generation to generation. People sustaining hope, pointing other people to God, helping us cultivate beautiful lives. And all of these saints, they finish their race. But in like a lot of races, the people who get done first come back. And they begin to cheer on the other runners. And we're to imagine Augustine and Ephraim, the Syrian, and Amelia Allen, and Barbara Toma, next to Augustine, next to John Christostom, and all the rest, filling this room, filling our lives with their voices, with their testimony, with their song, calling us home, saying you're going to make it. And ultimately pointing us to Jesus. Because that's what the life of a saint ultimately does. It points us to Jesus. It's not the saints who give us strength. It's the God who made them strong. It's the gospel in which they hoped. The one whose love and hope gave them hope. Whose companionship was enough for them. Whose promises were their strength. Who was the light for them when all other lights went out. The one who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus was the hope. 
And we can set our lives upon the incredible foundation of his life and death and resurrection. We know that because it made these lives strong. And it's ours, this faith, if we'll take it and keep it and not break it and steward it. The point is that their faith got them through. Their faith in a God who could come through on his promises and did so fully and perfectly in the person of Jesus. I guess what I want to say is that there, in the, there is a sense in which our faith is our own and it must be. But there is a sense in which our faith is not our own. It belonged to your mom. Or your dad. Some of us have been doing the Jesus thing for generations. And even if that's not your story, someone gave faith to you, passed faith down to you. Someone told you about Jesus. Who was it? Whose faith made you strong? All Saints Day reminds us that we didn't receive the gospel magically, it didn't just fall out of the clouds. We know Jesus by living with and in the church with its people, in its history, its story. I think about a lot of the young men at this church who really grew in faith because there was a group of men who took us on ski trips. It was like, uh, it was Greg Baker who took some of us on, and what I was thinking the other day is when he first started doing that, he was my age. These men who invested in us were our age. Who are we investing in? Who is going to be the next generation? Are we going to do this? Jack, are we going to do the ski trips? Are we going to lead them? I think so, man. Okay, we got to do it. (laughs) We got to do it, man. Um, In a day that reminds us of all the bad press that the church gets, and it gets a lot and deserves a lot of it, it does not tell the whole story. These faithful men and women were not perfect. They were real, loving, giving, and faithful. I think about Martin Luther who gave us that helpful phrase, simul justus es peccator, simultaneously saint and sinner. It names how we are all holy and wayward all at once. All Saints Day reminds me that God meets us, saints and sinners, despite our contradictions And it reminds me of what he can make out of our haphazard lives. God has been faithful to his church. He has sustained it through ordinary mothers and monks. Doctors, artists, farmers, students, rich and poor, young and old, fascinating and dull, fit and flabby, likable and difficult. Through the saints, every one of them broken and beloved, will you be a saint? You are one. Who passed their faith down to you? Who are you praying for that you can pass your faith to? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding me that we are in this great stream of redemption. And that it carries us along. It gives us strength when we're weak to remember that it, 
we're not alone. We have one another in this church. And not only that, we have the global church. And not only that, we have the universal church. We have the saints. And so would their voices encourage us this morning? And would we be able to look through them? Windows to see the person of Christ, the one who made them strong. We give you praise and thanks today, Lord Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.